Welcome to the BS Book Club. I, as always, am your host, Bartleby Jones. In last week's episode, we found that apparently the god of dreams himself, Morpheus, has found the location of the BS's hidden base. Will they survive? Find out on this week's episode of the BS Book Club. Chapter 16. Bang. Scotty walks the halls of his high school, books in hand. He smiles as his classmates pass by him, laughing. Suddenly, a stiff breeze picks up, and Scotty feels the cold air blow against his legs. He looks down to find himself stripped down to his underwear. He then awakes in a cold sweat. Fucking Phoebe, he growls, crawling out of bed. He stretches momentarily before standing up and exiting the room. He searches for the black smoke belonging to the goddess of nightmares, but finds none. In her stead, he finds his mother and several middlemen. What's going on, Mom? He asks with a nervous smile. What's going on? She asks sarcastically. Well, for starters, we know that a non-middleman is staying here. We know about Blake, and we know about the phone booth. We know you unlocked that door. What? Mom, that's not a big deal! Scotty exclaims, trying to state his case. I mean, Dad said it was okay. Well, your father is dead, she exclaims, standing. Your father is dead, and it's your fault. You opened the door to hell, let all its demons loose, and now my husband is dead. And since you and your father decided to let your little friend in on this whole situation, he'll be dead soon, too. Mom, please. That's the blood of two men on your hands, just because you wanted to track that girl down. She walks over to him and rips the middleman pin off his jacket. Tell me, was it worth it? I mean, she was pretty hot. Scotty chuckles, attempting to disarm the situation. Unfortunately, his laughter didn't seem to spread to the rest of the middlemen, who all turn their back to Scotty and his mother, who pulls out a pistol trained for Scotty's head. Well then, she returns Scotty's chuckle as she cocks her gun. That's always good to hear. Bang! Scotty awakens in a cold sweat, shaking. He grabs his head quickly, checking for any damage. He breathes heavily as he sits at the edge of his bed, attempting to process what just happened. Suddenly, like a bolt of lightning, an epiphany strikes Scotty's mind as his eyes widen with fury. That motherfucker inceptioned me! Scotty screams, tossing the sheets off of his bed and rushing into the main living area of the base, screaming to the heavens. Sue, I need two things. One... Pinch me and make sure I'm not still dreaming. If that bitch dream within a dream within a dreamed me, I might just kill her now. Yes, sir. Sue replied as a robotic hand shoots from the ceiling and quickly pinches Scotty's arm, causing him to wince in pain. And item number two. Bring me that bunny rabbit. Sir... Fivator has been placed into the highest security prison we have here, Sue replies. I would recommend you reassess your request before you bring her out. Sue, I'm not fucking around, Scotty calls. Bring me the damn bunny rabbit. 
Suddenly, a cavalcade of whirs and clicks come from within the walls as Scotty stares at the table where his tormentor will be delivered. The ceiling opens with a large puff of smoke as a small cage is delivered down, still containing a small bunny rabbit. Looks like it's wabbit season. Scotty smirks as he walks over to the table. Looks like someone has mama issues. She fires back, immediately flattening Scotty's smile. Tell me, which one was worse? Getting shot by mama? Naked at school? Ooh, or was it? Please don't mention the the Garfield monstrosity. Yep, yep, that's the one. Scotty takes a heavy sigh as he flashes back to a nightmare that not even this writer dared describe. You know, you'd think getting shot by mom would be the worst, but not really. I'm a master at Minecraft. She laughs as he stares down at her, shaking off the memories of John Arbuckle's horrified screams. So, you're just going to stay there all night, or... Well, you certainly haven't given me an option, have you? Scotty remarks as he pulls up a chair and sits at the table. So, it's just you and me for the rest of the night. No nightmares, just me and you. Oh, but what about the next day? She smiles a tiny bunny smile, wiping Scotty's smug look off his face. You think the only reason I can control those nightmares is because I'm close to you? No. No, Scotty boy, I control every single nightmare that every person ever has. I'm like Santa Claus. She laughs as a small Santa hat appears between her floppy ears. I see you when you're sleeping, all comfy and cozy, and all I want in that moment is to make you scream with horror and wake with a shock covered in your own sweat and urine. Ah, so it's your job to make me scream? Scotty asks, standing. Then tell me, uh, why exactly I don't wake up every night screaming, covered in those lovely bodily fluids you like to talk about? Look, you know about my family. You know what we do, she replies, sipping from her water feeder. And like any good family, we keep each other in check. Sometimes you humans need a dream. Sometimes you need a nightmare. And we deliver exactly what you need but piss us off. Oh, piss us off and they let me off the leash. She laughs, grabbing a carrot out of her bowl, munching on it. They let me do whatever I want. They let me explore that real dark shit in your head. And they let me give you pain beyond your wildest imagination. What do you mean? Scotty asks as she responds with a smile, smoke pouring from her body. Wait, what are you doing? What are you doing? Scotty stands and attempts to grab the smoke as it pours out of the cage and begins to travel through the trailer. The smoke slips through his fingers as the bunny sits behind him, laughing and chomping on carrots. Scotty chases after the smoke, panicked as he sees the destination of the smoke. Blake's room. Scotty grabs a gun off a nearby table, praying that shooting Fevator could stop the nightmares from reaching Blake's mind. Unfortunately, each bullet seemed to ricochet off the cage, embedding themselves in the wall behind Scotty. Once again, the laughing of the rabbit echoes through the trailer, mocking our hero. Problem? 
She laughs as Scotty rushes after the smoke, gun in hand. He finds the large cloud gathered above his best friend's head and begins pouring throughout the room. In a moment of heated passion, Scotty begins wildly firing the gun into the smoke, attempting to cause it to dissipate. Bang! Bang! Click! The gun begins clicking as Scotty runs out of ammo. Luckily, the smoke begins to dissipate around him as the room clears out. He sighs with relief as the body of Blake Tanner comes into view, untainted by the smoke. Unfortunately for Scotty Moore, only the smoke seemed to miss him. For when the smoke cleared, the body of Blake Tanner remained covered in blood. Scotty drops the gun in horror as he stares at his bullet-riddled friend. He drops to his knees, holding his head in his hands. Wait. Scotty's head pops up, covered in tears. His voice trembles as he calls out, Sue? I need you to pinch me. A robotic hand slowly lowers from the ceiling, approaching Scotty's skin. Every moment that it gets closer, Scotty pray that he not feel pain. Scotty pray that it jolt him awake. But as the two fingers close on his skin, a jolt of pain shoots through Scotty's nervous system as he collapses onto the ground. It was the worst pain he had ever felt. Chapter 17 a little runaway. Blake Tanner jolts awake, his heart racing. He quickly grabs at his body, checking for bullet wounds. He sighs with relief as he finds himself safe. His mind still fears the worst for his future, however, as he quickly stands, grabbing his clothes and making a beeline for the exit to the trailer. Note from the BS. Uh, yeah, the whole Scotty shooting Blake thing? Yeah, that was just a dream. I'm not sure why the author decided to just kind of end that chapter without telling you guys that. I mean, kind of a dick move in our opinion. Hey, bud, what's going on? Scotty asks, turning towards Blake with a gun he had been cleaning. Blake quickly puts his hands in the air, terrified. Scotty furrows his eyebrows in confusion, slowly placing the gun on the table. You all right, buddy? Uh, yeah, yeah, Blake nervously replies, pulling out his phone. I just gotta go. My parents called and need me back at home. Right. Scotty replies, following Blake to the door. As Blake reaches for the doorknob, however, Scotty leans against that door, preventing him from opening it. So, you gonna tell me the real reason, or... It's nothing. Blake nervously replies, grabbing the doorknob and attempting to pull it open despite Scotty's weight. Dude, come on. My parents need me. The world needs you, Blake. Scotty pushes Blake away from the door and back into the base. I need you. I can't do this middleman stuff on my own. I mean, it's no coincidence that we found this stuff together. We're a team. We didn't find shit together. Blake explodes, nervously shaking. You found shit. You found a big old pile of shit with ancient gods and secret organizations and death at every fucking turn. I didn't find a damn thing. I didn't ask for any of this. This isn't my responsibility, Scotty. It's yours. You step in the shit and I drag you out of it, Blake continues. That's been the theme of our entire relationship. It's like you're a rabid dog and I'm the one stuck with the leash, except instead of reining you in, I get dragged into shitty situation after shitty situation. And when it was you dragging me to a Dave and Buster's at midnight or dragging me into podcast after podcast, I was fine. 
Blake walks towards the door, frantically shouting, But now my life is on the line, Scotty. This isn't some joke anymore. We could die. Wait, is that the only problem? Scotty asks as Blake looks up at him, surprised. I mean, you're right. We could die, but we'd die heroes. We'd die saving the world. Yeah, I'd rather die in my sleep when I'm like 78. Blake offers up sheepishly, staring down at his phone. After what? Scotty asks, laughing. A life of boring weekends and, and, and what is it that you do again? Information systems, Blake replies, still a bit shocked that Scotty doesn't know what he does for a living. Exactly, that freakazoid computer shit. I'm giving you a chance to live a life worth living. Scotty smiles, placing a hand on Blake's shoulder. Besides, you say I drag you into these situations, but I know the truth. You come with me because you want to, Blake. You come with me because no matter what, it's going to be an adventure. You come with me because you know that together, we're unstoppable. Yeah, well, Blake quietly responds. I, uh, I just called an Uber, so gonna have to go anyways. You can cancel an Uber! Scotty replies, following Blake out of the door. The two stand a bit shocked, however, as Blake's Uber driver seems to have already arrived. A sleek black Cadillac sit outside of their trailer, idling. The driver opens his door, letting Rasta music pour out. That was fast! Blake replies, watching as the driver gets out. The very same Jamaican driver Scotty had the night before. The two walk down the trailer's decrepit steps, cautious. So, are you the only person that comes out this way? Scotty asks with a faux smile. Oh, it must be coincidence, man, he replies, walking around the caddy's front. Does your friend need a ride, too? Yeah, aren't you my driver? Blake asks, approaching the man as Scotty places a hand on his shoulder, stopping him from going any closer. Oh, no, man. He smiles, approaching the two boys and placing a hand on both of their shoulders. I'm here for something else. Suddenly, his grip tightens around their shoulders, nearly pulling the muscle off of the bone. He lifts the two boys who stare at him in horror, nearly two feet off of the ground, and he tosses them into the sides of the trailer. They fall to the ground as their bodies make an imprint into the painted metal. They stare up as white smoke engulfs the man's body, causing him to morph and change. His long black dreadlocks recede into a shaved head and a long beard. His slender frame suddenly bulks up, growing nearly three times its size. They stare in shock as the driver slowly morphs into Phil, who stomps up the steps and into their base. Luckily, in the moments leading up to his entrance, Sue had begun camouflaging the base, hiding away any evidence that it was once a middleman base. But Phil looks around now, confused at how these two boys managed to hide out in this dump for so long. Unfortunately, the one thing Sue forgot to hide was the cage containing Phil's sister, Phoebe. He quickly stomps towards her and retrieves her cage, tossing her outside. He begins to exit when his foot catches on something. A red loop. It turns out that as the flooring was transforming, the bag of Morpheus got caught in between the slats. He reaches down with a smile and puts his hand into the loop, ripping the bag out of the ground, causing parts of the flooring to shatter. He smiles as he walks outside, twirling that bag around his finger. 
The BS boys slowly make their way to their feet, staring in horror as Phil climbs back into his car, tossing the cage and the bag into the back seat. Scotty attempts to chase after the car, but stumbles on a tree branch and face plants into the ground. You okay, buddy? Blake asks as he helps Scotty to his feet. Scotty takes a heavy breath, then grabs Blake by the collar. Well, the guy that wants to kill us just took his psychopath of a sister and his magic fucking bag, and we just let him leave. Scotty responds, screaming at Blake. So no, Blake, I'm not doing too okay right now. Excuse me, sirs? A voice calls out, cracking nervously. The boys look over to see an old Ford Bronco driven by a college student. I've got an Uber pickup here for Blake Tanner. I have 500 guns in this house. If you don't turn around right now, I will use all of them on your shitty van. Scotty remarks matter-of-factly. The driver goes on to set the record for the world's fastest three-point turn as he turns and speeds out of the trailer park. So, Blake, Scotty turns back to his friend, smiling like a psychopath. Guess who has no choice but to help now? It's me, isn't it? Chapter 18. Prepare for Trouble. Sue, Scotty calls as the two enter the trailer, which has begun slowly reforming into the middleman base that it once was before the Morpheus attack. Begin middleman training protocol. How do you know that's even a thing? Blake asks under his breath. I don't know. I just assumed she'd know how to train us somewhat. I'm sorry, Mr. Moore. She calls out in a soothing yet robotic tone. I, unfortunately, cannot begin said protocol while a non-middleman is within the base. What? You mean Blake? Scotty asks, confused. Come on, he's cool. Whether or not said individual is cool has no bearing on whether or not I can begin said protocol, she continues. Only middlemen can know the secrets that training shall divulge. Well, is there some sort of basic training? Scotty asks. Like, leave out the secrets and just show us how to shoot stuff? How do I become a middleman? Blake asks, shocking Scotty. He didn't think Blake would be so willing to join the organization. It is a difficult process, Mr. Tanner, she continues. Your friend was lucky. He was a legacy. He had no need to go through our rigorous acceptance process. Well, I will, Blake announces, showing a new side that Scotty had never seen. Are you sure, Blake? Scotty asks, concerned for his friend. Uh, being an IT guy was boring. He responds with a smirk. Besides, I owe that Morpheus guy an ass beating. Well then, let the initiation begin. Sue calls as two robotic hands come down from the ceiling and pour milk over Blake's head. Scotty stifles a laugh as Blake looks up, confused. Okay, now that the hazing is out of the way, it is time you are sworn in by a true middleman. What? Scotty asks as two more robotic hands drop down, holding open a book. On the pages before Scotty are written the swearing-in rituals of the middlemen. Uh, you sure you don't want to get a more experienced guy to do this? You are the only one within a 15-yard radius, Sue calls. You must do it. Yeah, certainly looked hard for another guy, didn't you? 
Scotty sarcastically remarks as he looks up at Blake still dripping with milk. He looks down at the paper and reads, Raise your three fingers and repeat after me. Raise your three feet, Blake repeats, holding up his first three fingers together. You don't have to repeat that part, Scotty interrupts as the two stand as mirrors to one another, Blake repeating every word Scotty said of the oath. I, Blake Tanner, solemnly swear as a middleman. The oath continued on for minutes, with the boys slowly giving up on the formality of it all and retreating to the kitchen, grabbing a few sandwiches to eat as they continued to repeat the oath back and forth. After roughly 15 minutes pass, they finally complete the entire thing. What is in heaven shall stay there, the middle for me. All else I shall send to hell, for there it should be. We did it! Scotty finally remarks, exhausted but still happy for his friend. Welcome to the middlemen, buddy! I am so happy for you, Sue robotically remarks, two hands coming towards Blake. Here is your badge. Congratulations to Blake Tanner, the brand new junior middleman cadet. Blake looks down to discover a small sticker featuring a cartoonish rendition of the middleman's logo has been placed on his shirt. He sighs heavily, grabbing another bite of his sandwich, but suddenly Scotty and Blake's chairs begin flying towards the briefing room. Damn it, Scotty quietly remarks, looking mournfully back at the kitchen. I left my sandwich on the table. Blake offers Scotty a bite of his sandwich as the TV clicks on, featuring a very familiar setting to the boys. The Oval Office. They look at each other wide-eyed as a large, suited man comes into view. Despite having never met him, they knew immediately who they were looking at. Greetings, gentlemen. He smiles as he sits in a large leather chair. I'm sure you've got a lot of questions and... I'm here to hopefully answer them today. Is that? Scotty asks, wide-eyed. Is that Patrick Warburton? First question I'm sure you're thinking is, am I Patrick Warburton? The BS exchange glances as the man on screen responds. Well, while I do share the rugged good looks and deep baritone of famed actor and voiceover artist Patty Warbucks, I am, in fact, the farthest thing from him. No, Blake laughs, leaning towards Scotty. That's totally Patrick Warburton. I'm clearly the president of the United States of America. He responds, causing both of the BS to stare up, slightly confused. But let's not focus on that. Let's focus on you. The brand new recruits to the middle bit. You see, I created the Middleman Initiative many years ago, in my first term in office. The president continues, standing to march around his desk. I discovered extra-dimensional beings coming to our world from a rift, deep in the ocean. So I created the Middlemen to put them back where they belong. I'm sure you know by now the various monsters, demons, and gods... And you'll be inevitably facing in your time with the middlemen. Unfortunately, that's knowledge you're going to have to keep with yourself. For as a middleman, you're going to have great adventures, saving people, capturing monsters, and returning them to where they once came from. But the next day, you'll return to normal life, order a cheeseburger, and no one will know who you are or what you've done. 
As long as you can accept that fact, you can make it as a middleman. He continues on for hours, teaching the boys of various battles he had in the past, innovation in middlemen technology, and different creatures they would face in their time as middlemen. Meanwhile, across town, Morpheus stomps down the stairwell of a well-hidden bar, carrying a red bag in one hand and a giant bat on his shoulder. He smirks as he walks up to the bar, grabbing a large beer from the bartender, when suddenly a beautiful woman with long, dark hair walks up to him. Got you a present. He smirks as he hands her the bag. She smiles, ripping it out of his hands, and begins to stride towards the bar's exit. Her hips swing sensually as she glides down the street, distracting men, women, and even causing a few car crashes. She smiles as she hears the screech of tires behind her. I'm back. Chapter 19. We got one. Uh, yeah, sorry about the break we had to take last week, Scotty comments into the microphone as the boys record a new episode of A Load of BS, two weeks into their intense middleman training. We just had to... escape a crazy trio of gods and learn how to be super spies? Blake quickly adds in, causing Scotty to break into a fit of laughter as he quickly mutes their microphones. Damn it, we can't talk about that! Scotty replies, stifling his laughs. You know we've got to be secretive about this middleman shit. Okay, well, what could we have been doing instead? Scotty broke his dick, Blake replies as he turns the microphone back up. Scotty glares at him, eyes wide. He wants to deny it, but knows that it's the best excuse they have right now. Yep, Scotty replies, giving Blake a death stare. Just cracked straight in half, didn't it? Blake replies with a smirk, eating up the fact that Scotty has to go along with this. Now, how exactly did you go about breaking your dick in half? I, uh, Scotty squirms as Blake challenges his improvisational skills. Well, I I'm not exactly proud of it, but I had just woken up and was running to the bathroom, and you know... Okay, you know how sometimes you'll, like, stub your knee on a table? You stubbed your dick on a table? Blake is now guffawing as Scotty smiles, having broken his friend. How, do, how does that even happen? It was a high table, Scotty laughs back. I was running out, old glory was at full mast, and just wham! Whacked my dick, straight into an end table, broke it in twain, and now here I am, the broken-dicked hero of this show. Jesus Christ, Blake replies, holding his head in his hands, tears of laughter strolling down his face. It made it like two times bigger, though. Scotty replies with a smirk as the boys continue on with their show. Despite everything that had gone on, this podcast was a moment of zen for them, taking them away from the strange James Bond movie that their life had become. You can find both of us on Twitter at a load of pure BS. Scotty calls into the microphone, his voice increasing in volume. Except no substitutes, bitches, and we will see you next week. Damn fine show this week, bud. Blake smiles as Scotty ends the recording. I'm surprised you came back with an entire story about breaking your dick. Oh, it wasn't made up. Scotty replies with a smile. I'm just saying, I had a rough year in 2011. Incoming call. Incoming call. Sue calls as the boys' chairs begin to roll into the living room in front of the main screen that they had seen too much of in the previous weeks.
damn it, Scotty comments quietly as Blake looks over. Just got a great idea for a segment on the show, too. What? Blake raises an eyebrow as they come to an abrupt stop in front of the television. You think it'd break our cover to have Sue come on the podcast and say dirty words? Scotty comments with a smirk. Make the robot say dirty words? Blake rolls his eyes at the idea. What are you, seven? Hold on. Sue, privacy override. Scotty calls as a small speaker comes down next to him, allowing him to whisper privately. After a moment, Sue's voice speaks up again. Blake is a fuckboy. Sue calls in her charming robotic tone. Blake looks over with a groan as Scotty holds up his finger as if to say, Wait. Suddenly, her voice starts up again. Penis, 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 penis. She must have said penis roughly 37 times by the time the television started up. What appeared on the screen, however, wasn't the man the boys knew as the President of the United States, or possibly star of stage and screen Patrick Warburton. Instead, there's a face Scotty knew all too well. His mother's. Greetings, boys. Sue has told me your training has been going well. She begins as Sue adds on, Penis. Scotty's mother raises an eyebrow at this, quickly realizing what her son had done. Sue, please stop saying penis. She comments, forcing the robot to quiet down. She looks down at the two boys with a smile on her face. Now, firstly, I would like to congratulate you on an excellent episode. We were actually listening in on the recording. Thanks! Scotty replies as Blake wonders if they listen in on everything they say in this building. Sorry about telling everybody about what's happened. We're just really excited. It can be edited, she replies with a smile. And if it's not, I'll simply send two people to find you and kill you. But enough about that. I have something very important for you two. Something that I would normally never trust to someone so early in their training, but with how well you've been progressing and with recent losses within the middlemen... She and Scotty simultaneously fight back tears, remembering Scotty's fallen father. Certain risks must be taken to bring up the next crop of agents, which is why I'd like to present to you your first case. Holy shit! Blake comments quietly as Scotty begins jumping up and down in his seat, giddily awaiting the task. It's not dangerous, right? Not as dangerous as what you have been facing, she comments as her image shrinks on the screen, allowing the boys to look at a full case overview. But still pretty dangerous. You need to track down and find the entity known as Dionysus, known as D to his friends. An image of Dionysus appears on screen, and Blake immediately recognizes him as the man that challenged him to a drinking contest at the bar. He is one of the most charismatic and elusive entities that have recently escaped. I need you to track him down, place him in a containment chamber, and bring him back to HQ. She comments as Scotty quickly interrupts. Wait, where exactly is HQ? He asks as her screen returns to full size. Have you had a reason to go there yet? She asks as Scotty looks down, contemplating the question. Uh, not particularly. Then there is no reason for you to know where it is, she answers matter-of-factly. If you wish to know where the base is, find Dionysus, capture him, and then I will let you know all that you need to know. But until then, 
Her screen goes black as Scotty jumps up with glee, grabbing Blake out of his seat in an abrupt hug. Scotty quickly runs into the other room, getting prepared. Blake sits back down, nervous for what lay ahead. The reality of the new world he was in didn't strike Blake until now. Blake! Scotty calls from the other room. He rushes in with an array of weapons in his hands, tossing some to Blake. He looks down at the weapon momentarily, realizing that he didn't have time to think. He stands, holding his weapon proudly, shining up his middleman cadet sticker on his lapel. Let's do this. Chapter 20. Water of Life. So what's this stuff do? Scotty asks Sue as she hands the boys all necessary items for their mission. The item in question, however, was a small vial filled with a purple liquid containing swirling, shimmering flakes. It looked equal parts dangerous and delicious. That is referred to as the Nietzsche Serum, she replies in her calm tone. It was created by middlemen scientists to lessen, or in some cases, completely remove a god's powers temporarily. This allowed for them to be more easily caught. Hmm. Scotty smirks as he uncorks the liquid, holding it up to his lips. Any ideas what it would do on a human? It should be harmless, she offers up as Scotty immediately chugs the juice, assuming the human had no latent godly abilities. Well... Blake asks from across the room, loading his gun. Any godly abilities feel lessened? Well, my dick feels smaller, so... Blake offers a small laugh, continuing to get ready. What? This isn't something to be mocked? I mean, is this... Is this what everyone feels like? So your broken cock feels smaller now? Blake asks, smirking, patting Scotty on the shoulder as he passes by. I didn't break my dick! Scotty calls to Blake, who has entered his bedroom. That was all you! Mr. Tanner has broken your penis? Scotty hears Sue call from overhead. Does it need medical treatment? Meanwhile, in his bedroom, Blake nervously gets dressed in the purple uniform of the middleman, terrified of his nightmare. Terrified that his first mission could be his last. He stares at himself in the mirror, panicked. He attempts to stand with some dignity, but the fear continues to overtake him. You could have just been an IT guy, Blake says to his reflection as he stares at his freshly outfitted body. Could have just told people, did you try turning it off and turning it on again? All day, but no. Your dumbass had to go out and save people. Good work, man. No, he didn't literally break my dick. It was a joke. Scotty has spent the last few minutes attempting to teach Sue the concept of improv comedy, but to no avail. We just said I broke my dick to hide the fact that we're here. You fractured your penis to hide your status as a middleman? Sue asks in an innocent tone. No, my dick is fine. It's just... Scotty remarks as Blake walks into the room, having pumped himself up with false confidence in the bedroom. Scotty looks over to him with a sigh. Can you talk some sense into her? Sue, everything is okay. Blake remarks as Scotty sighs a sigh of relief. The two get ready as Blake adds on. Scotty likes his broken penis. It lets him piss around corners. You motherfucker. Scotty remarks as they head for the door, placing his hand, which happened to be holding a loaded gun, on Blake's shoulder. What? Blake responds with a laugh. You always liked that wanted movie. Curve that bullet, big man. And off the two went on their first mission. 
They were able to isolate Dionysus's whereabouts due to one fact. He loved to drink. This led the boys on a whistle-stop tour of the various wineries and bars in the area, finding them all completely drained of their wine. About how long ago was he here? Scotty asked to the store clerk, holding up the false FBI badge that was provided to him by the middleman. I... I don't think you have to hold up that badge through the entire investigation, sir. The clerk remarks as Scotty sheepishly hides the badge away in his pocket. Who are you guys anyways? Agents. Scotty searches for an answer as Blake walks up holding a bottle of Kentucky bourbon. Agents Merton Riggs. Blake responds, placing the bottle on the counter. I'm going to be taking this bottle as evidence. Now, did the suspect seem to have any specific type of wine he preferred? All of it, the clerk responds, causing the eyebrows of our heroes to raise. I mean, he walked in and just demolished every bottle, box, whatever we had wine in. He just destroyed it in an instant, sir. And what did he pay with? Card? Cash? Scotty asks when suddenly the clerk reaches behind the table and pulls out a massive chunk of gold, slamming it onto the table. This... The clerk responds as Blake and Scotty stare down at the massive, glistening chunk of gold, bewildered. Now, how do you make change for that? Hours later, our boys are still on the hunt for the man known as D. The same conversation seemed to follow them wherever they went. He came, he saw, he drank every gallon of wine they had. Dusk began to approach, and frustration grew in our heroes' minds. Jesus Christ, we're never going to find him at this rate. Blake remarks, finally popping open one of the several bottles of bourbon he managed to finagle away from various liquor stores. Blake! Scotty remarks, attempting to snatch the bottle away. We're on a case! Besides, we can't have open containers in here anyways. I'm an FBI agent. I can do what I want. Blake responds, taking a swig of the liquor. Scotty continues to attempt to snatch it away, leading to an all-out slap fight between the two over a bottle of whiskey. Damn it, Scotty, let go! And with that childlike scream, the car careens into a nearby fire hydrant, causing water to spray into the air. Our heroes quickly jump out of the car, water raining down onto their bodies. Random onlookers stare in shock as the two breathe heavily, surviving their second car crash in a month. It's all right, Scotty calls to the shocked crowd. This is my fire hydrant. I can park on it however I please. Scotty, Blake remarks in a hushed tone, attempting to shut Scotty up. Look. What the hell? Scotty responds as he looks across the street towards a very familiar phone booth. The two look up to discover they had crashed their car in the exact same block as before in nearly the exact same location. We really need to learn how to just park over here. Yeah, you'd think the city would have gotten that fixed by now, though. Blake remarks, looking over to the still-bent and broken parking meter from a few weeks ago. Scotty hurriedly pulls out the paper containing the secret code from his pocket. Wait, are you wearing the same pants you wore that night? Yeah, it's nearing the end of the three-week cycle, though. Scotty comments to Blake, who stares in horror at Scotty's three-week-old pants as his friend enters the code. Need to change them out soon. Okay, we definitely need to have a pants hygiene discussion after this. Blake comments as the two enter the lounge, which seems relatively deserted. Reba stares at them from across the bar with a large smile, welcoming back his old customers, when suddenly a voice calls out, Ooh! 
The boys turn to see Dionysus splayed out on a couch, drinking from a large wine bottle. His outfit was far more intricate than last Blake had seen him, featuring large sequins and a flowing cape. He smiles and stands, walking towards our heroes majestically. Looks like Kitten came back to play. So if you couldn't tell, we've reached the part of the novel where the BS got a bit more mm, creative control, I would like to say. The BS very much took over a bit more. They wrote in a lot of dick jokes. It's like, in, in a, like I was listening back and I'm like, this is an inappropriate amount of dick jokes. Like, it was not just, oh, a fun family guy, South Park fun dick joke to, to tide over the, the fuck boys, for lack of a better term. No, they were like, let's put in, in, in a pro, like, so many dick jokes. So that was one thing. They also demanded, I received this note, they demanded the president be Patrick Warburton. Like, they didn't... They didn't put in any specifics. They just said, make it Patrick Warburton. And I said, why not have it be the actual current president of America? And they were very not happy about that. They they were very much like, no, not that guy. In fact, you could put any person there, just not that guy. So I had to put in old Patty Warbucks, as he's like to be known as the president uh, I do enjoy, however, the dream chapters because, of course, it is the ultimate twist at the end where you realize that the dream is not Blake Tanner, is not Scotty Moore. It is, in fact, Blake Tanner's dream, which I enjoyed a lot because uh, it was a it was the double whammy, if you will. Scotty has a dream; it is bad. Wakes up from the dream, has a worse dream. Wakes up and then demands to be pinched. And that pain would normally jolt someone awake, at least in the convention of novels. And so once that happens and you realize, oh, no, he is awake, it adds an extra level of intrigue to it. I know the BS don't like it. They wanted me to come out and blatantly say, oh, Blake was having a dream. But no, I feel like the chapter really demanded to end on that that hot button of, oh, no, Blake is dead. And, of course, then you realize it is his dream, which is why Scotty was able to feel pain. It was a very fun moment there to play with the emotions of the audience. I will say, uh, subscribe to this because next week's episode gets into one of my favorite characters, who is, of course, Dionysus, the goddess, god, I believe, the god of wine and parties. And to see the BS go up against him is a real, it's a real, um, almost a mirror, a foil to them, where they are boys who like to drink, and now they have to fight the ultimate drinker in Dionysus. He's a very fun character, so make sure to subscribe and come back for Dionysus next week. But as for now, let me remind you, as always, you can donate to our Patreon patreon.com slash a load of BS is of course where you can support the BS boys and all of their artistic endeavors whether that be a load of BS if you enjoy the pro wrestlings they have fight boys or JWF Monday Night Ignition and if you're enjoying the writing 
and you enjoy uh, a story being told to you, make sure to check out Deviant. It is an audio drama about space piracy, and it has characters even worse than the BS somehow, even more drinking assholes than the BS. So check that out. Remember to pick up some T-shirts at merch.aloadofpurebs.com, and uh, it says here there is merch for a load of BS fight boys opposite attractions you can buy hey. them what hey, hey don't read it like that don't also make it look like you're just reading off a piece of paper i was doing it i was reading exactly what no come on man this this is going out to the entire world to hear Damn jesus no, okay i'm out i'm out see you next week <laughs>